Hello and welcome to episode number 332 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Yes, this is a very exciting episode. This is pretty much the official kickoff of 2023 uh, for the horror genre. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the last couple of weeks have been fantastic, um, but we've just been still going through the backlog of last year. Um, but we got to see two great films that we recommended, um, but they were just kind of the leftovers of last year because it was such a strong last three months. Really crazy. I mean, you look at the run of films that we've been covering i can only think of one movie that we haven't recommended in like the last literally three months um coming into the fourth month now um yeah so crazy um but no this was always the big sort of kickoff um megan the much talked about horror film um we finally get to discuss and then probably more excitedly for us um was the premiere on hbo slash sky atlantic in the uk of the last of us which has been many, many years in the making, and it is finally here. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot to talk about this week. I know. can't believe that we're, we're post-episode one of The Last of Us. Um, and neither of us has said a word to each other about it as well, so I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, we will get to that shortly. Um, but first, there's only one piece of news, thankfully, this week. Um, but it's a biggie. Um, I did not see this coming. It is shocking. Um when I saw it, I was like, I'm sorry, what am I? I had to read it like a couple of times to make sure I was not misinterpreting it. Um, but it is about our boy Chucky. Um, obviously, it has been very quiet on the Chucky front post uh, season two ending late last year. Um, we had both kind of speculated what would what would be the case with this show going forward. Um, not a, a very not good season to say yeah, the least very we was very nervous yeah and and you know we I, I said at the time like i just want to know an answer i don't like them when they leave fans not knowing and, and it could be like a year could pass two years and people are still oh are they gonna do a season three and so i'd rather they just come and came out and said what they're gonna mm. do um which they have said and to it. my surprise it is being renewed <laughs> um so yeah, Chucky season three is coming this year. In fact, in twenty twenty three, so they're not missing a year either, which I find also even more surprising given how late this announcement is. Yeah, and it's it's like you know, literally nothing is ready. <laughs> like yeah. there there might be a script, like mm. you know, I guess like to pitch, but like you know, <laughs> yeah, they haven't done a second's worth of filming, and suddenly it's going to be out this year. Like that's a big ask. I was going to say, like, Don has probably not slept a wink since this announcement because he probably had to come up with scripts by, like, Monday morning. So (laughs) um, he had a very uh, caffeine and and God knows what else filled weekend to get this on the table. Well, Um, I mean, if if season two is anything to go by, I'd imagine that's how he did that. So (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, yeah, um, there's a short announcement, but there's just not really anything in it, really. They just Mm. said that, obviously, see you in 2023. Which is Jennifer Tilly getting very excited on Twitter, which I have no problems with yeah hopefully um but yeah oh, I mean, it, that's all like no, i haven't seen it bio and everything oh nice that's like, awesome to see yeah like her picture is just chucky season three her twitter picture <laughs> and everything she's tweeted in like the last 48 hours is just chucky season three stuff oh that's absolutely <laughs> she's, fantastic she's, she's just making sure that she gets cast basically i was just gonna say like because yeah there's no information here obviously we would assume that of course 
it would be absolutely preposterous at this point for many reasons it were Jennifer to not be involved because I think she is un- undoubtedly the star of the show in particular. Um, she was so yeah, with her and Don and stuff. Fantastic, that's so uh, good. Celebrating. But yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Obviously, we want the mm. show to continue. I think it needs to go back to its roots it needs to look at season one and what made that so special and what made it work so well because Mm. so much of season two didn't work um but there is a lot to salvage from it you know where we kind of left things off the uh, it's interesting with Gigi how they left Gigi and it kind of this character now being back in a doll back with the kind of British voice going to the UK it's so different to what they've just now established. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really liked the Glenn and Glenda in their human forms in season two. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. Um, but obviously, and then we have like the main storylines. Tiffany um, was obviously being hunted by Nika, and that's fantastic. I'm also really excited to see where like the sister character goes, mm. um, Caroline, because she's like really good, and she was so underutilized in season two. Like I want to say she was only in the first and last episodes, and I always like that. I think with Chucky. Yes, it's over time, they've aged it up, but you always want someone to be an incredibly young character to be paired Mm. with Chucky because then there is that sense of innocence where they really will believe what Chucky says rather than teenagers that aren't going to. Um, And I think she's great. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential here. Um, But, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing you're you're pretty pumped and excited for this one. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's it's one where... Yeah, we spoke, at, you know, at length about season two, and it definitely mm. had lows, but it also had a lot of highs, and it did bring the story on. Um, you know, I think the strongest parts were when it was focusing on the the kind of law and the story, and it just got bogged down with with kind of our main characters being in an unexciting place. So I think kind of, you know, hopefully learn from that, as you say, and kind of go on from there. Like the last episode, or even like the last, I mean, the whole season was carnage but like the last episode and a half like so much happened it's it's hard to for me in my head to remember where they're all at like it was so crazy because it just kept jumping mm. um and it, and it really it, it really felt to me like it was a, a a panic of like oh shit we're not getting a season three like we need to somehow try to tell the end of our story and and especially like the gg stuff that you spoke about like it felt unnecessary for 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 them to be put in the doll at that time um i felt like that should have happened in season three um but yeah i'm hoping that they can just calm it down a little bit like we know it's chucky and we know it's batshit crazy but you 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 gotta just tone it down a bit and 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 you know i think i think that's what season one did so well that like our legacy characters were introduced once we got a really strong chucky storyline and i think kind of you know now we've got it's just there's so many characters i I almost wish that chucky moved away from the kids in the first movie Mm. and just just get reintroduced with some new kids but it's just it's you know why and how do we reintroduce that would be difficult but i think the second because the problem is like like you say that the magic of chucky is when people don't know and especially like if he's with young children and they believe him and everything else whereas you know, 90% of the people that Chucky's interacting with know who he is at this point. And, mm. and you know, that becomes difficult in itself as well. But, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thrilled because it's great to see it continue. And our love of Chucky hasn't waned. It's just that we want it to, to, you know, get to back to how it was in season two, in season one. But 
yeah can't still can't wait like the second it comes out we'll be watching it day one for sure yeah definitely I, i'm i'm really happy it got renewed because i really at the end of season two i was like i don't this might be it like there was genuinely that yeah. question mark of when we were seeing where they left jennifer and, and nika and that stuff where i was like we might never see the resolution of this and this is multi-films and tv seasons now that could just be left unresolved and i don't want to have to read a blog post from don <laughs> explaining where this is going to go like that's such bullshit yeah. so yeah. um no so I'm, I'm happy that it will happen i think I still haven't read Flanagan's, so yeah, exactly. I don't want to read Tom's as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I would have been marginally more excited had they said it was coming 2024, mm. because it would have shown that they were giving it more time and care. I, I get why, though. I think you have to strike while the iron's hot with a show like this, that it already has such a limited audience, that if you did wait two years between seasons, that yeah. you're going to just lose so yeah, many people. Sure. So I get that you have to keep that going. They're, they're going to want to start this in October, for sure. Um but yeah just hope that it's good obviously and uh yeah we will definitely be we'd like to say we've got another tv show to keep us busy and there'll be plenty more this year um but yeah that is it for the news uh shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about megan So, yeah, it's rather apt that we kind of kick things off talking about um, Chucky. I know. And now we move on to Megan, which is very much the 2023 version of Chucky um, and of Child's Play. Obviously, we've talked about this film a lot. Um, we have. The second it got announced, in fact, there's not many of those films that I particularly put in the news. Mm. Where it is just a title, and that's pretty much it, and a very brief synopsis. But I remember saying about megan you know with the title stylized as m free gan of course that's the official title um oh, don't, and don't even get me started <laughs> <laughs> listen if we call it five cream we have to call this m free gan m free um, gan i know it's just it's ridiculous i know uh, it's, it's the first one as well like where where is this title gonna go please um i mean you could turn the a into a four for the next movie maybe and then like Mm. you know i don't know maybe the g into a five for the third movie <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited um but yeah it's it, it, it i don't know why it was it was obviously james one being attached to it and it, it was his production yeah. company and, and co-writing this one um but it just sounded fun because we we obviously as as we just discussed with chucky we like this sort of thing um and i certainly like more modern takes on it i think the child's play 2019 was such a delight it was a movie that mm at a time we really hoped and prayed didn't exist um because we didn't want it to step on the canon of the original films and luckily it hasn't um but it was a great great film that showed that there is these kind of modern updates you can do with this sort of killer doll subgenre, as it were um and this just sounded like a great thing and obviously we saw the trailer it was pretty fun um we've talked about it in the news uh, you know ad nauseum but yeah it's finally here um i guess one thing that's kind of haven't been mentioned i don't think on the podcast because obviously this is atomic monster which is um obviously james wan's production company um he co-wrote this um <clears throat> with uh, kayla cooper who also co-wrote malignant um mm. so it's great to see them sort of co-teaming mm. up again um but it's the director of this one it's something that 
I don't think we've mentioned so far, um, which is Gerard, uh, Gerard uh, Johnston, who he directed um, a movie called Housebound, um, which was like nine years ago now. So it came out in 2014, um, mm. which is a, and it's this New Zealand movie, which is a really great film. If people haven't seen Housebound, um, I don't even want to give away what its kind of thing is, because I do think it's somewhat spoilery. But what I will say is it's a movie that we've seen this version this kind of trope in a lot of films. And I still think this does it better than almost any other ones. Um, So yeah, I really liked housebound and and he hasn't really done much since then. He's done like a couple of small TV things, I think, but yeah, I don't think, I think this is his second feature film since housebound. Um, And yeah, I'd somehow like not really even noticed that until a few weeks ago. And I was like, Oh, that's cool that he's finally returning. This, this almost, um, you know, Ty West, esque um you know gap in his filmography but yeah Mm. he's he's come back to direct this one um but yeah i guess that's it really isn't it about megan um going into it yeah what is what is this film about um yeah so megan is kind of starring uh young girl katie is she called it's yeah. not Katie, is it? It's Katie, I think. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually don't think I even realised that watching the film until just now reading it. <laughs> right. Um, I remember him being like Katie quite a lot, and I was like... Yeah, but it is. Katie does sound like Katie a lot. Exactly. Yeah, I was confused. Anyway, and yeah, basically the, um, the very opening of the film, she is uh, orphaned in a car crash. And she is um, adopted by her aunt, um, Aunt Gemma. And um, Aunt Gemma just happens to be a uh, engineer, programmer, creator of toys at a, a big major toy company. And um, Gemma is kind of trialing this. Um, they kind of make these, I mean, I, I would call them Furbies. What they what they make? I mean, yeah. that that's kind of a very deep kind of nineties cut of a toy. But these furry kind of robotic toys that talk to you, and she's under pressure to churn out another model of them, and she's kind of driven on this high end, high AI, um, lifelike human sized doll, um, affectionately named M three G A N, i.e. <laughs> Megan. Um, and uh, to be fair, at least the number does have context when you see the film. Like that is like the model name, at yeah. least. Like, and then she's called Megan because of that model name. And I'm like, okay, cool, but just call the movie Megan, <laughs> anyway. And she ends up kind of um, using Katie really to um, demo megan and and kind of show her bosses kind of that megan can be a a toy that kids fall in love with and kind of when when kind of megan impresses and the bond between megan and katie kind of really is shown at this kind of presentation she then gets given megan and kind of um the whole point of megan is that she'll learn and kind of her ai will get more intelligent as the uh learns the child and cares for the child and kind of adapts to the child's needs and you know what, what could go wrong with with infinitely uh learning ai you know we've, mm-hmm. we've never we've never seen ai that, that can think for itself go, go wrong have we so no, why not. would why would we ever suspect that megan would go wrong you know she don't look creepy either you know she, no. she definitely does not look creepy <laughs> um 
so yeah, uh, kind of, you know, as Megan and Katie's bond gets stronger, Megan gets more and more intelligent and, um, you know, that, that can be very dangerous. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much as far as I want to go with it. I mean, do you want to, do you want to go into your thoughts on, uh, on Megan? Yeah, it's an interesting film because, um, as we said before, this is very much like a, a sort of smaller subgenre that we enjoy. Um, you know, it's kind of got a lot of Chucky over it, a lot of the Black Mirror stuff of, you know, modern technology gone wrong and all that sort of stuff. So it's very much in my wheelhouse of, of things mm-hmm. that I very much enjoy. And yeah, this was one that I was looking forward to quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it's really fun. I think most of it is is pretty pretty good. Like... The initial setup, like the first sort of 15 to 20 minutes, I, I suddenly realized that I was immediately watching a movie written by the same people that made Malignant um, mm. in a good way. Because I was like, oh, yeah, they don't they put the absolute preposterous, like preposterous stuff in their films and they just try and pass it off as normal. And there are just so many giant leaps of logic to get to katie with Gemma, and why this megan doll exists and why it's there with her like there's just so many unbelievably jumps in logic where you're just like okay you know like the fact that she's secretly making this doll in her company is just mm. in like a basement like it's yeah. so ridiculous this giant elaborate area that's costing apparently tens of millions of dollars under their boss's nose mm. um, just ludicrous and like and so you immediately realize oh, okay, this isn't trying to be a serious take on AI gone wrong or any of this stuff. This is supposed to be campy and ludicrous in the exact same vein as Malignant was, and you just have to go along with the ride. So that kind of, it definitely set the tone right in a good way for me. Um, And because, yeah, like with the, there's like a, is it a therapist? I don't think that's the right word, but like a, a care worker or something yeah, along those lines. Yeah, a care worker, a counsellor, a therapist, all wound up in one, almost like social services. Yeah, she... She's kind of there to, to document whether Gemma is a worthy uh, parental figure for, for uh, Katie. Yeah, which was, again, this is another scene that is just ludicrous, um, because I don't even... Oh, the toy scene. Yeah. But just I, I, I one thing that I did struggle with in this movie was timeline, like trying to figure out how much time had actually passed at any given moment. Because yeah, like by the time the movie ended, Katie's parents could have died a year ago or mm-hmm. 72 hours ago. And either, either I would have believed. <laughs> because when the therapist rocked up, it felt like that was maybe the day after. You know, like it felt incredibly fresh, and she was so unbearably rude in terms of like yeah. judging their relationship and being like, "Oh, you just let her look at an iPad, like that's crazy," and like, "Oh, she doesn't have toys." And it's like, yeah, she just moved in here. Like, why would my as a single person house be filled with toys for this child? Like, yeah. <clears throat> and and then why is she obviously sad? Like, yeah, she's just lost her parents. Like, of course we're not going to have this upbeat, bubbly beautiful family lifestyle right now like there's just so much ludicrousness in this film which again you i i put to the side and just be like oh, okay as long as they deliver like the fun megan shit then it will be worth the ride and i think for the most part they do like i think megan is like undoubtedly the star of the show um i think they nail everything about the look of megan the sound of megan um the, almost most of the best parts of this movie will just be like a cut to a shot of megan 
just sort of slowly looking around the room and slowly like surveying the area and they just do it in such a cool creepy way that is like it, it, i wouldn't say this movie's necessarily funny which was a surprise to me i thought it would be more of like a laugh out loud type film um and especially because we've seen a lot recently that have done that in particular like violent night and the, me the menu last week whereas this was more of just like i smiled you know i was like oh that's fun like look at that look on megan like she's yeah. scheming and just these cool little moments where it's like megan turn off and in each time it happens you kind of get a slight variation on it like the first time she just switches off immediately and then the second time she kind of puts up a frustration of like, oh, do you really want to do that? And then they say it again and she shuts down. And I just love the way it kind of like slowly builds that tension. Um, so there's just a lot of cool things like that that is going for this movie for sure. Um, but I think ultimately like there is a massive elephant in the room with this film. Um, and it is something that we kind of had touched upon mm -hmm. last week. And, and funny enough, I had said I didn't think it would be a problem. Um but it turns out I was wrong because it is a problem, um, which is the kind of the cutting of this film to make it a PG-13 in America, um, which, again, on paper, I don't have a problem with. We've seen so many PG-13 horrors that are fantastic, mm. and I really didn't think I would need it in this film. But having now seen this film, it is a massive problem. And I don't know if it's just the fact that it you don't see anything. This is like unbelievably tame. Certainly for a James Wan film, this is like by far his most tame movie that he's ever been involved in. Um, but that's a problem anyway, that you just don't see any of the kills. They're all off screen and they're all incredibly quickly over with. But it's just the overall editing is really poor, like incredibly poor. Mm. I would say this is like the worst edited film I've seen at the cinema, maybe ever. Um, it was so noticeably bad in multiple scenes where I was like, it gave me a headache because it was so frantically cut at times. And mm. I was losing where we were in the space, like who's where, what's going on, who's doing what to who. It was just very confusing at times. And I feel like it clearly was a reaction to what we spoke about just you know very briefly to give people the background like this movie was gonna probably be rated r it blew up on tiktok last year they realized that a younger audience had resonated with the trailer and were probably going to want to see the film when it came out so they ended up releasing the film as a pg-13 um of course we talked about it in terms of cinema uh, box office it has paid off this movie has a 12 million dollar budget and is currently sitting at 94 and a half million worldwide james um, one's done it again yeah, which is great to see. This is obviously going to hit the 100 mil mark. And it's great to see it after his last movie, because obviously Malignant was a massive, um, mm. you know, crashed and burned at the cinema. It was a massive bomb, which is such a shame. And I think this was clearly a reaction to that. And so I'm thankful that he doesn't have another bomb to his name. This is clearly going to do awesome. It's clearly going to get a sequel and all that stuff. But the the sad fact is that it does change things for us. It changes things for the hardcore horror crowd that will yeah. listen to this podcast. Um, and I think that ultimately it's it's a shame because I still like this film. I still think it's a really fun, enjoyable film. But I think Lignant <clears throat> was made for us. Megan was made for everyone else. That's yeah. kind of how I feel coming out of this. And I'm fine with it because I still got a movie that I enjoyed. I don't think I'd ever watch Megan again, though, for that reason. Like, I don't think I'll ever be in the mood to watch this again because the fun moments were the moments where not much was happening. It was the interactions with Megan, her becoming slowly more crazy and going into things. But then what I needed was what Malignant did, which was the last 30 minutes is just no holes barred craziness. And the potential for Megan to do that was so there. 
um and it's so funny because a lot of the good stuff that megan does is in the first trailer like the one of the coolest scenes in the whole film is when megan runs for the first time and we literally saw that as the first thing we saw of megan in the first ever trailer um and i was expecting at least another sort of three or four of those moments in the movie they just they just don't they're just not there um so yeah i'm i'm a little bit disappointed post this because i do think this could have been something special but i still liked it still had a good time for sure and i think most people will get a kick out of this but saw that it, it just isn't for us sadly mm. yeah i mean you, you've touched upon a lot of how i feel about it i i think f- for me this movie ended up being good to okay um and and you know most of the most of the movie was good and then it and then it did go down to okay when when we got into the the final parts of it and i really do think it is you know uh, you know when you said last week you didn't think it would be a problem i i agreed that like a dull you know movie a la chucky doesn't need to be as hardcore but you need to have enough sequences of it and i think with this one it was a slow burn and i think with megan the point of the movie, there, there's the scene at the kind of um, camp, the, the school, the, the outdoor mm. school when they're out in the woods and kind of it's a scene where Megan runs for the first time. And it's the scene when we see kind of we get, a you know, a, a glimpse of what, what's happening to her. And um, I think that scene would would have been, you know, way more violent in, in the in the first in cut. And I think, you know, with what Megan with the power that she has and when she decides to snap and just, you know, go off the hinges, I think, I think it needed to be super violent because of the style that she's, you know, like I say, the, the way she is, it wouldn't just be a, you know, I'm going to push you down the stairs. It's like, Oh no, she's got, she's got real power and we'll just like eviscerate someone. And, 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 and we don't see that. And I think we, we lose that. And then, um, you know, I do think a lot of this movie was ruined for me in the build-up to this movie i think the fact that we knew this cut and and the fact that it was rated r and it had been scaled back like you know because we were in in it day one when we saw it saw the trailer and well not even the trailer the announcement i think like you know i had that in my head i couldn't i couldn't you know i had that knowledge and i think that did did affect my viewing and i do think the um the trailer and the fact that so many of the strong Megan parts were in the trailer, that the, yeah, the, there is almost no good Megan parts that aren't in one of the trailers that's out there, and and I, you know that that is also a problem. Um, I think you know a lot of negatives there that I've spoken about. This does have a lot of positives, and I do think it is the the Megan aspect, and you know, just just she is so sinister. And I do love this slow build, as you touched upon the bits where, you know, she's um, asked to switch off and she doesn't do it straight away. She starts to question uh, Gemma. She starts to kind of focus her primary objective is the protection of Katie. And you're like, oh, man, like, what <laughs> if someone does something to her? Like, you know, y- you start to see the lines and, and, when she starts, you see her analytics and how she's reading people. Um, there's something incredibly unsettling about like this presence in like a bedroom, let alone a young child's bedroom when someone's asleep and, and the AI is just, it's not off, mm. in it, but it's just, it's just kind of pensive waiting for, <laughs> for, for, for Katie to wake up and just kind of there and, and, and just semi hibernating, but also reading everything. 
And I'm just like, I don't know, there's just something so terrifying about that. Um, you know, it's a little bit like those uh, round round globe-like objects that are in everyone's houses now that I won't say, so I don't set it off in my house currently. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're always there and they're always Some good stuff listening. with those involved in this film as well. There, there is, there is. And, you know, that worked well. And I think, you know, at least with them... They don't have legs <laughs> and, and limbs, so you know there's only so much they can do. I love but, how they're made of titanium either. Like it's so funny when they're doing the whole like Megan yeah. video at the start and how she's made, and, and it's so funny when they're describing it, where it's like, oh yeah, you've just literally made a Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, she is she is basically a Terminator. Yeah, just um, a mini Terminator. <laughs> you know, and and yeah, and and so, and I thought she was very uh, well voiced as well. Mm. You know, we we knew the look. The look is perfection as well. It's this real uncanny valley that they they do multiple times in the movie where people kind of double take. Mm. You know, there was one point in the in the car, I think, when they get to that school. Yeah, that's and they're so like, good. Oh, there's two of you, and then she's like, "Whoa, Jesus Christ!" <laughs> well, and the way she does that because Megan's looking out yeah. the window, so you just see her hair, and then the way she obviously slams her head in almost like an exorcist-like turn, it's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so, you know, the look is perfection, but I really think the voice is great because it's, it's robotic enough to know that she's a robot, but it's human enough to give it emotion. And, and as the movie goes on, it almost gets a little bit more robotic in a, in a way that does work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that as well. And I think to me, when I got out of watching this movie, this really felt like a strong episode of a TV show, an anthology TV show. And I don't mean that as a, like discredit to it but it, it didn't it didn't feel like a big cinema franchise movie it did feel like a, a really cool black mirror episode or you know whatever tv show and kind of and and a lot of it does feel like i i don't think this movie did anything crazy different to to to, to multiple things we've seen before i think kind of mm. you know killer doll rogue ai etc etc you can kind of see where this movie's going to go and the, the 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 you know the USP of this movie is Megan's look, and um, they definitely deliver on that. But then when they promise us a horror movie, um, you know this this movie isn't isn't really suspenseful, um, and and doesn't really deliver on the horror. You know I find it I find it weird because I can't imagine. I don't know when we've seen a movie or when we'll see a movie again that fails to deliver on the horror as strongly as what Megan does. Mm. But I, but I'm giving it as much of a pass as what I am as well because I don't, I don't hate this. Like I say, I think it's, it's okay to good. You know, it's that middle, middle of the road. You know, it would be kind of a six or a seven out of ten, and kind of, you know, yeah, really didn't hate it. But, but just yeah, if if they had have lent into it, it could have been much higher. I think and could have could have been more suspenseful because i think you would have understood the risks i for a lot of the movie i never felt like Gemma or kate uh, or katie were in trouble no um and even in the final acts you know it kind of felt like you know yeah megan's a bit fucked up but she's also just you know kind of got their best interest at heart and couldn't fully see what megan was capable of you know and and you you know we spoke about the titanium and how strong she's made but we never we never truly got to see that and i think if we'd have seen mm. her you know <laughs> rip someone's head off with her bare hands you'd be like oh shit like you yeah know, she has that power um but 
you know, could you just could you just wave a, a light in front of her eyes and make a switch off? Like, you know, we didn't we didn't quite get to see that transition to her being, you know, fully off the rails and being scared of that. And I think that's where this movie really does miss out. And, and that's why it kind of drops down you know, that, that and the lack of horror. I definitely agree with that. And I think that's so prevalent in the finale because mm. of course it's the finale of a horror movie. You expect it to go harder. I already mentioned in terms of how malignant does that so perfectly and builds and delivers exactly what you want it to do. But I think even like the, the, where they are as well, like not to go into spoilers, but they go to a setting, which is so perfect for a big bloody finale. Yeah. I, so I know. Much I potential. For a big body count, for more Megan-esque things to be thrown at us in the finale that we've not seen before. And and it it just goes, nah, we're just going to now take you out of that and, and do the most almost boring possible finale. And it, it, the finale involves one of the most hilarious kind of early setups I think I've ever seen in a film. Like, I can't remember ever seeing something introduced so early in a movie that i would have bet my life savings that it would be the thing that's that comes it, back in the end it, like, was, it was so easy silly as well <laughs> i'd forgotten about it until you mentioned it like like I was point... that's the only part of the movie i laughed out loud yeah. was when they introduced this thing at the start <laughs> but, but you i i laughed when it came back at the end but in yeah. a way like i can't believe you've done it because it's so cheesy i mean they mm. i mean i wish they'd have played the terminator music that's the only thing like, <laughs> then it would have been perfect yeah so i think like yeah like the the finale is when this really does fall off because that is when like you say you want to see megan just rip someone's head off and mm. because you've had slow kills and you've had not showing things because obviously you don't you can't have absolute carnage for the rest of the movie but you're mm. in that stage now everyone everyone that needs to know pretty much knows what megan's intentions are and yeah that is where it, it becomes frustrating and obviously you mentioned the fact that this is a movie that we both enjoyed, but it does just have such a massive lack of actual horror moments. And I find that so shocking based upon everyone that's involved in this film. If you look from top to bottom, you've got the director who's directed a horror movie that we really like. Of course, James Wan speaks for himself, one of the greatest horror creators ever. You've got Atomic Monster behind this. You've got Bloomhouse behind this. Then you've got our two leads, Alison Williams, that we've seen in Get Out and The Perfection. Fantastic. Uh, Violet McGraw, the little girl who's in The Haunting of Hill House, who was in um, Doctor Sleep. Fantastic in both. Like every single person, top to bottom, has continually delivered fantastic horror stuff prior to this. Um, as well as the co writer, of course, that I mentioned of Malignant. So, like, all over this it just feels like it was going to be a great horror film and and it still is i think a good film but it's certainly not a great horror film and i would i would even be hard pressed to say it's a good horror film um it is just a good film that just sadly really misses the mark from a horror perspective and like i say i don't know how much of that was like what you said which is fair enough that that was obviously in your mind the Mm. the editing thing and of course it was in my mind as well but yeah, I, I just didn't think it would be as much as a problem going in. I really didn't think it would it would make too much of a difference. But having now seen this cut of the movie, and obviously them talking about, oh, there's an R-rated cut and stuff, I'm like, and you even joked last week, like, oh, should we just wait six months yeah. and see the R-rated cut? Which I was like, no, of course not. Whereas now I'm like, yes, like that seems to be what we should have done. Yeah. Um, who yeah, knows? For the because... podcast, that's probably what you should do. 
Yeah, because I don't even... I needed more horror, for sure, but I just think the actual construction of this movie isn't great. As I mentioned before, it is butchered, and it is butchered mostly in those scenes of horror, but it's just it's just very poorly edited, um, which, yeah, just seems like someone, you know, had to quickly cut this shit and get it out there. And again, I don't blame them at all. I want them to make as much money as possible, and I'm so glad that James Wan doesn't have another... Um, flop after his last movie that was so disappointing oh. at the box office but yeah it is a shame for us um but sometimes you got to do what you got to do like I say i would love to live in a world it's you know it's 2023 how hard is it to have an r-rated cut and a pg-13 cut go into theaters um and let the audience decide but i know that that's a that is unfortunately a big deal of, like, of course you can't have two cuts of a movie but it's like when you really think about it most of this shit's digital anyway like it's really it really shouldn't be an issue. Have the day screenings be PG thirteen and have the night screenings be R rated. Um, I would. I would be crazy. Like it would be fun to see that as an experiment. Mm. Um, and a movie like this would have been perfect, and you know it would have been a great way. The worrying thing is, like, I wonder what analytics would come back and mm. and could could ruin R rated horror movies come out. Um, oh yeah, because, definitely. You know, I I really do think that this this cut of this movie exists post malignant for a reason yeah you know i i don't think james one would let a mo- movie that he is so closely associated with be cut this way without the fact that malignant bombed so badly and mm. you know he kind of looked at it and went well i can't have two on my hands like mm-hmm. i need i need a success here and I've, yeah. I've got something and i've captured the zeitgeist with with the trailer of of a younger audience than i intended and and now i've got to lean into it and 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 I think he would have had the the balls to kind of stick with with a harder cut if if malignant hadn't have happened. I'm so glad you said that because I think time and time again I keep continually bringing up box office and I always feel the need to defend why that's an important conversation because for some unknown reason I always see the discourse around film that it's not important which I just find to be like the most terrible take possible and this is like a perfect example of how you get to this is like you say this starts with malignant bombing. And it ends with Megan being released PG-13. And this is why we talk time and time again about this and why Last Night in Soho not making money is a problem for the future of Megan's career. Yeah, he's not just going to get to write a a fresh horror IP and be given a big old budget for it. That's just not the world we're in. Well, I'll tell you what he did do is... is as a weird aside, he did currently just direct a McDonald's commercial that I watched over the weekend, which is <laughs> really? bizarre to say the least. Yeah, like it's I almost did put it in the That's news. Maybe not. we'll talk about it next week, but it's so weird. Um, but yeah, that is a problem. Similarly with like Robert Eggers and, and the Northman not doing that great. This is a problem, you know, and it's not just we want to see movies that we like do well. This is the actual knock on effect that I can point to now as a great example and be like, well, guess what? Horror fans, unfortunately, I am calling them out because they didn't support Malignant. And so that's why we get Megan. Now I'm now saying, oh, it's a good film, but this isn't for us. This isn't for our crowd. And that horror crowd might be like, oh, that's annoying. James Wan should know who, who buttered his bread and he should rely on us. And it's like, well, no, like you didn't support him when he needed it. So now he is going to a wider audience. That's just the sad reality of this. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting conversation, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, yeah, final uh, recommendations and thoughts. Um, why don't you take yeah. it away? I mean... I think I, I would say to horror fans, let's wait and see. Let's <laughs> let's see if we get that R-rated cut and and see if we get Megan uncut. Um, I think you know I I would say that yeah, th- this isn't a bad movie. I think you know 
we're three in for the year now, and I think all three movies we've seen have been good ones. Mm. I do think I preferred the first two that we saw this year more than Megan. I did as well. Um, you know, and and that that is the slight disappointment. But yeah, I'd still recommend this. But I I would be really interested to see what what comes out in the future as well if we do get that that Blu-ray kind of uncut version. Yeah, I completely much agree. Like, I like this film, and and typically when I like a film, I want to recommend it. Um, it's more difficult here because of the conversation we just had goes without saying in terms of the horror stuff i will say that again it does you start to break down different levels of recommendations of when something's on shudder or when something's on disney plus um this is a cinema only release it is should you know am i saying to people they should definitely go out and see this as like their first big horror film of the year no I, i don't because it's good but it's not good for the horror stuff. And so if you only go to see a few horror movies a year, there's definitely going to be better ones. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of my very muddled response to the to the recommendation question. Because I do like Megan. But like I say, I, unless we hear that there's an R-rated car and it was really well received, I, I can't imagine I'd ever watch this again. Do you think you'd ever watch this version of Megan again and get enjoyment uh, from 100% it? 100% not this version. You know, yeah. I think I think it would be... Yeah, if if they if they did release another version, then it would be a case of oh, that'd be really good for us to do like a follow up on the podcast mm. more. But but yeah, certainly not this version again. Um, no. I think as well, like you know, the the PG thirteen like horror audience that's going to be there is going to be way more frustrating to deal with as well. <laughs> like yeah. we had a fairly frustrating cinema. Um, so yeah, I, I want to get back to the solid eighteen UK horror movies where no one's <laughs> sat in there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when the next one will be like I pray that we that we get some sort of release of Infinity Pool, but <clears throat> we'll have to see on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion of Megan. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. So yeah, now now the real main event can start. Oh shit! <sighs> so yeah, episode one of The Last of Us, the TV show, yeah. has aired, and we are going to be doing full spoilers for episode one. Um, but obviously, at this point, not future spoilers, so you don't have to worry if you're only a fan or hopefully a fan and have seen the TV show. That is all we'll be discussing right here. If we ever feel the need to reference future stuff, we will then throw up an additional spoiler warning. Um, but that will be the case going forward. That yeah, once the TV show has aired, it is on the table for sure. Yeah, um, agreed. But yeah, I cannot believe that they did it. Um, so much excitement, it. years of excitement after we first heard about this. Um, yeah. And seeing that first trailer and thinking like, man, this seems too good to be true. Like they're, they're doing the thing. They're, they're adapting the best story in video games. They mm-hmm. have the best home for it, which is HBO and a TV show as well. Like everyone knows I much prefer film in general to TV shows, but you couldn't possibly make The Last of Us into a film. Um, Neil Druckmann actually tried for many years and he said he just could not do it. Um, and and the, hence why we got to this where we are now um say, we've already we've already seen a feature length like version of the last of us and we've we've covered five percent of the story yeah so <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like it would just be impossible so yeah it was the perfect home um it it took a long time but it seems like they got all of the right people involved 
and yeah i think for this first episode which is about 81 minutes i loved every single second of it there wasn't a single moment where i wasn't enamored with this tv show i think it was the stuff that is directly ripped from the game either shot for shot or word for word is mm-hmm. perfect um, and feels completely natural. It doesn't feel over the top or anything like that or silly. It's just perfect in a TV show. But then I would say at least 50%, maybe more of this episode is completely brand new stuff that is not in the game that feels like it is in the game. Um, yeah. That just c- it completely expands upon this world and these characters in so many ways that they just, because it, a game mostly requires you playing it, you have to move from place to place and you have to have exciting things for the player to do with the controller in their hand. Whereas here, we just get to watch it. So we get to see ellie talk to marlene which is something that was kind of talked about but we don't really know much about their relationship at this stage like that's such a good change to introduce ellie that way rather than obviously in the game it's just joel's perspective because we're playing as joel um yeah, you see, you see zero seconds until she is put in front of joel's face like in the yeah. video game yeah, because otherwise it'd be like, what, a random cutaway of just long-ass yeah. cutscenes that you don't play. And of course, in, in 2013, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, there's a million things to touch upon. Obviously, one of the big speculations we both had was like, how the hell does this begin? Yeah. Um, and we start with something completely brand new, which is 1968. Um, yeah, fucking hell. Like, when, that, when, that, when it said 1968 thing. on the screen. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, you're going Dharma initiative on us. You <laughs> Like, yeah, that was that was crazy. And it was a fun, you know, that was a really fun opening and kind of talking about it. this fungus and stuff. And um, it was perfect for people that uh, don't know anything about The Last of Us. That was literally perfect because it was it was describing what the show is going to be about without hitting you over the head with it. Um, yeah. In the video it's game, insane. we get like a, a more sort of constructive breakdown almost like a nature documentary of what this fungi does whereas this was just purely speculation i love that it is this because so many clips of this have resurfaced recently of people that pre you know they talk about pandemics before they happen these super geniuses we've seen ones recently about people that predicted covid like three years ago and Mm. and so i love that as a throwback anyway that being in the 60s on this talk show but then the fact that he is talking about specifically oh yeah like viral pandemics come and go they will always be a thing but if we had a fungal infection it would basically be the end of the world yeah um and it was just spectacular wasn't it? it it was so good and then like fucking hell like uh, i i can't even get past like the opening title card like to get yep. the last of us music and to get that you know that full music with this beautiful title card and i was just like oh they get it like because because for, for the longest time i think i said to you like in a lot of the trailers and stuff like we knew we knew they had the right composer and mm. and you know hoped that he would deliver but like you know were they gonna shy away from it and and you know not do it and the fact that it is the title you know the title music is the last of us music it feels like a no-brainer but it filled me with so much joy and i think you know definitely you know you you said that there's a lot of new stuff and i and i I agree and i think it is very clever you know a gamification of a movie or a move movification of a game if those are words where (laughs) 
you know, you can't have a video game where you're just sitting watching characters talk for 14 hours. Mm. And likewise, you can't have a movie or a TV show it's where, just gunfights and stealth yeah, acts, sequences. Joel, <laughs> Joel is this sympathetic guy, but he's just cold-blooded murdered like 14 people. Yeah. You know, choked them out in a pool of their own blood, you know, and then you may not feel humanized by this character. Um, you know, it's... it's um, you have to have both. And I think, you know, the, the, the big thing was when Joel and Tess go to get the battery kind mm-hmm. of, you know, that in the video game is this whole bit of the docks and there's tons of fighting and everything else. And I was like, Oh, okay. This is going to be interesting. And then suddenly like everyone's dead. They, they just, they just take a little shortcut, go into this hallway and everyone's dead and they meet Ellie. And I was like, fuck, like they've just completely skipped that part. And I'm like, of course they've skipped that part. There's zero story there. That's all just gameplay. And I think, like, those decisions, like, uh, we're not going to be touching on that, like, week in, week out, I don't think. But I think episode one, it's important to talk about that, that they kind of, you know, that they're making it how it needs to be. Because it needs to be a survival horror game. It needs to be dark. There needs to be consequences to actions. And in the game, they do that, but you still fight and kill hundreds of things. Mm. you know and you can't have that it's like resident evil you know of course you're in the game you're going to fight a shit ton of zombies but in the movies it needs to be few and far between and i think like i think um even the amount of infected you see in this first episode is like so much more stripped back like the moment obviously with sarah and joel and the fact that it is basically just one infected chasing them whereas it's about 30 in the video game and again that's such a good choice because of course in a video game it needs to feel more intense than just one that Mm. you could kill whereas yeah in a tv show that just has such a more different impact because he's got his daughter in his arms and you know and he's just running for his life from this one infected um but yeah it's like this is absolutely crazy like there were so many things you touched upon already like the intro um you know the intro song like there was two moments that made me well up watching this episode and that was the first time because hearing that theme and seeing like the hbo style opening which was you know crazy very much game of thrones like game of thrones um, lord of the rings like you know just modern tv like with that yeah we heard like yeah to to hear that music and it kind of starts exactly the same but then it builds and becomes more epic by the end of it and and seeing the fungus kind of build into the map and all these locations that we know we're going to get to like it's just i couldn't believe it that that was the first moment that knocked me for six and then obviously the the moment of sarah's death was the was the other moment that just just full-on made me cry even though i knew it was coming and i've 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 lived with that moment for the last decade when i first played it um but i think seeing it again in this new avenue and especially because they were very violent well they dragged this out so well because obviously the the game is about 15 minutes the opening like yeah. playing it whereas this was about 35 minutes and so we get all of these extra scenes with sarah her going to the to the shop and fixing the watch um and and i think and it was it was almost um shawn of the dead-esque yeah. where there was like all these things happening in the background that she's not aware of um news reports and things like that it was so good and then obviously in the introductions of the neighbor characters like in the game the neighbor just randomly attacks them and joel kills them whereas to actually humanize them and and establish this relationship that sarah and joel have with their elderly neighbors like when her face was contorting out of focus behind her that was fantastic oh god it's so good and I thought Nico Parker as Sarah was just perfect. I think she has such a difficult role playing Sarah, who is who yeah. plays such a small part of the overall Last of Us, but she is integral to everything. That that initial 
awful, devastating loss of Sarah is what puts us on the path to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them to nail it in the way they did and just, the, oh God, it's so good. Like Pedro's think, emotion think, in that um, scene is just unbelievable. Oh, crazy. But I think the thing about it is, is that with Sarah in the video game, you play as her. Mm. Do you, you instantly feel like you're her. So when, yeah. when she gets taken away from you, you feel like your character has been taken away that you were meant to be playing with the whole game playing as and and so you know that's why you don't need to know that much about her because you are controlling her up until that moment pretty much um you know and so with um you know with with the um tv show they they don't you don't get that automatic you know connection with her so you need to build that connection and so to get this backstory and to see her kind of get this watch you know done and just see her in school and just really grow to to really like as we were watching it i was like you bastards i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna create these feelings for her i'm not gonna i'm not gonna want to like like her because i know what's happening today (laughs) like and i did wonder throughout that whole scene and kind of there were multiple times where there was a dark cut for a few seconds and i was like are we gonna get a jump are we gonna get a jump are we going to get a jump? But they, they kept it true to the video game. And, you know, so far linear wise, it was one of our big questions, you know, what, what was going to happen. And, you know, besides from the opening scene from the sixties, it's, it stayed very true to the video game outbreak day, Bosch, you know, 20 years later, yeah um, exactly chronologically it's been absolutely spot on like say yeah. other than this extra cold open and i think once we then get the the time jump the 20 years later obviously we get this brand new sequence with this child who has kind of stumbled across the fedra outlook and and yeah. gets interviewed by this woman and ugh, th- this scene is just unbelievable because i didn't even kind of realize what was happening the first time it happened um i actually went back and rewatched this because oh, yeah, it was horrible it, and it's just crazy because when, when you obviously see the scanner turn red behind them and and obviously that's an amazing way of setting up what the scanner is what it means which obviously plays into the reveal of ellie at the end of the episode um but the fact that she does that and in a way she's talking to him after she injects him and then obviously 20 years later the next thing we see after joel when his daughter has just died in his arms is he's throwing this dead kid's body into the fire um again it's so brutal and it's so the last of us but this is this is none of this was in the game and it's so much better in setting up the character um and also you mentioned like the whole joel tess and what they're doing with the battery this is so much better than the video game because actually i think the worst part or at least my least favorite part of the last of us the game is the immediately once you you get the 20 year time gap and then it's everything up until you meet ellie i didn't really know what the fuck was going on i was like i don't really get what fedra is at this point i don't really get who the fireflies are who are joel and tess in this why do they need a bunch of guns because in the video game they're just trying to get a bunch of guns and yeah. then this guy fucks them over and then that's how they you, end up with you don't really know that he's after his brother for a while really there's no there's no well, reason he's not, he's not after he's not after obviously i don't want to say future spoilers but tommy is plays a completely different role and so this yeah. is amazing because we see tommy in the opening and obviously that big question after 
we know that Sarah's dead and we see Joel 20 years later is where's Tommy. And so the fact that that is the big driving factor that he hasn't heard from him for three weeks. So he's like, right, I need to get this battery to drive to where Tommy is. That's such a better reason to then get him to fall in into with where Ellie is. Cause now he's got two things where it's like, okay, I'm only looking after Ellie cause that gets me the battery and the battery gets me to my brother. That's mm-hmm. so much better than how it was in the video game. It's crazy. And, and again, I think that's why you have Neil on board with this because he's had 10 years to perfect this story since he first made it so now all of these little moments that they were kind of jumps in logic of like okay fine um, you know joel and tess just need some guns whatever that's not that interesting we now have such a better reason of putting these three characters together um let alone actually seeing ellie tied up and you know seeing that the her interactions with marlene marlene was so good as well obviously she's the only actress or actor returning from the video game to replay her role 10 years later and like she's so good like everyone in this i feel like i actually it's interesting because i think the only person who didn't floor me performance wise was bella ramsey as ellie like i thought she was absolutely brilliant but like i just think everyone else immediately felt exactly ripped from the video game um and i think she is a slightly bit different version of ellie isn't she she's a bit more kind of aggressive yeah i think the thing about it is is the all the casting and all the promos like pedro was instantly joel Mm. and i was like perfect but like with with Bella, she never truly looked like Ellie to me, and and her look is more you know, uh, yeah, more harsh and more kind of abrupt, and and the way she kind of talks. But actually, in the, I th- I thought actually watching the show, I thought her dialogue really did nail Ellie more than mm-hmm. I expected it to. It's just I've not quite got used to her yet. Like yeah. the the look, it just it's just a little bit not ellie for me but i'm sure that will get there because i do really think she's delivering on the performance of yeah the way that she is because i think ellie is such a video game character and very hard to be likable in a video game or or let alone live action because she is she is cocky and obnoxious but also like that can't come across dumb like it not not dumb but like come across in a dumb way that you don't like i think Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a lot like when we talk about these, um, uh, like sh- live stream movies, like Deadstream that we watched, where we kind of have this one character for the full movie, and they need to be incredibly likable. Ellie needs to be incredibly likable because otherwise, you could be a bit annoyed by her, mm. and and that's why in the video game she's so endearing, and you do really like her. And and I think the way Bella delivered the lines was was very ellie and i just need to get you to kind of seeing her with joel and seeing this new look because i'm just i think it is just that you know joel pedro does really look a lot like joel like the more mm. the, the more they've aged him up and everything else they're trying to make him look that way i don't think they're doing that so much with bella i think they are letting her be her own ellie and that's not a problem it's just getting used to it yeah i think it's going to be great for sure because Mm. i think i also think again touching upon what i said about the being the worst part of the last of us is that initial time jump up to ellie and then the worst part of ellie is the start of it i think because they have this very confrontational kind of start to their relationship but even by the end of this episode when obviously we get the the guy who's scanning which again another amazing change the fact that joel is friendly with this guy and is chatting to him like he probably could have talked his way out of that but he just had that moment seeing a gun 
pointed at a girl um his instinct just took over and it was it was primal in that moment he was like no i'm not going to let this happen again you can tell it's been driving him crazy for the last 20 years i really hope that he has resentment to ellie in episode Mm. two because he did that to that bloke because i don't because i don't want him to become the overprotective dad like straight away like i want him to that's a good point yeah and, and and so yeah i think the fact that they humanized and and again that's something that the video games have have gotten further as we've moved on with the franchise you know they want to humanize the people that you attack and i think it was a really strong point that like the first person that joe fucked joel fucked up is someone that he really likes and has emotion with and it and you know i think i think that is interesting for the rest of the show how they kind of go on with that mm. um i do think one thing that i think um is really hard to get across, but I do think it was a bit of a miss with with the with the, with the show. The only real miss that I saw was that I think something in the video games is the the the, the scarcity of resource, kind of bullets and ammo and food and and ba- you know batteries and and everything. And I think kind of obviously they have like the ration cards and they talk about like how they want this battery, but I. I felt like the the gravitas of how important that was was lost a bit in the show, and especially when like um, Tess kind of says like to Joel like Oh, let's go get him," and he just like lifts some floorboards and it's got like a shit ton of guns and ammo. Like I felt like that wasn't overly portrayed. That yeah, no, in this world, like having some guns is gnarly, and and getting a battery and and having a working car is is rare. Whereas like at one point when the fly- fireflies were um, like searching towards the end of the episode it sounded a lot like a helicopter mm-hmm. that went over i'm pretty sure it was and i'm like it, it you know that, that yes a helicopter in that world can exist but i think like we need to know like how difficult things are and i think like episode two you know they're they're, they're you know the episode ends episode one and they're not in the compound anymore it was a great final shot of the fucking episode it like we've seen that still of the the, the semi collapsed building, and we knew it was going to be in the show. But to like have that as the episode one finale, I was like, "Oh, guys, you know," because that's such a great moment in the video game. And I you think like I, with the clicker screaming on the rooftop as well, where it's yeah. like we haven't even seen a proper clicker yet, and so that was the first like moment it was yeah. incredible. And so I really hope that like we um we we do get um you know more of a more of a realization of the scarcity of of things because like you know he he beat up that dude and got a got a semi-automatic weapon like straight away and like i want there to be a point where they're like oh fuck like we need you know i don't need him to be crafting ammo for 20 minutes in episode, <laughs> but but i do think that that is one of the biggest things in the video game and and i think that didn't quite come across in the show so far and I, and, and, I, and i wanted to so I, I agree and disagree with that. I I disagree in terms of Joel and Tess because I think they do a really good job of establishing that they have spent this entire time working their asses off and they are basically at the top of the food chain of what you can be whilst being in this sort of fedra owned zone basically where mm. they like they are known as the best smugglers you know marlene is like you have no idea what these people are capable capable of like joel and tess specifically have a reputation they are clearly not the regular person in this world yeah. they, they um, get and, that across in the show better than they did in the game definitely for yeah. sure and again and also you talk about the ration card <laughs> like i love that because he's just spent he's spending he's basically gone into survival mode the moment sarah died where he's just shut off from the world he gets no enjoyment from anything and it is just how do i live 
day to day. And then that's where he's like, which one pays the best? And he's like, well, probably the one, the, up my he's like, probably the one clearing up shit. And he's like, well, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next 14 hours. Then. And he's like, I don't care. I just want to get as much in this world because there is so little. So I disagree on that. Cause I think with Joel and Tess specifically, it's like, yeah, he could have a gun with a few bullets, like, because he's spent 20 years working for it. But I've always been confused by the fireflies. Like I really want to spend more time with them and then really explain who they are. And again, they I do. Like, oh, you can have a car and guns and ammo and all yeah. the shit you want and it's like really and and i think like you know that feels like an empty promise obviously mm. we know with the with the opening scene of the the young child and they're like oh you can you can have whatever meal you want and then you mm. can play with all the toys in the world and i know that they were you know the context of that is you know it's like when you put an animal down and you, you're yeah. just trying to you know make them feel good but it, it does give the wrong concept of what that world is because part of your head is then like, oh shit, they've got cool stuff behind these gates and they don't like behind that behind yeah. the gates is equally as bad. And I think, you know, yeah. And, and I, I really hope that we do get into that more like them just scavenging for things and, and struggling to get by. I think there's massive potential for setting up those two factions because, yeah, that that is one of the things that is so underutilized, I think, it's particularly in the first game of, like, I don't really get who Fedra are and why they're bad. Because it was always, where the game starts, it's like, it's military zones, but then you're like, well, you are safer here than you are outside the walls. But but then, yeah, it's just a level of control. It never really made sense. And then who are the Fireflies and who are they really fighting against? But I already think, like, the scenes we got with Marlene, her explaining that, she was basically fucked off with what the Fireflies have been doing for so long and talking about how, like, this isn't a revolution. This is just spray paint. And, like, which I love that line. Um, and so and so now they have that goal. They have Ellie. Um, and they know that that is their one mission, which is, of course, going to be such a big driving factor for the TV show. So I, I do think, yeah, there's just so much that they filled in in just one episode. So I can't wait until we get so many, like, smaller characters. We, yeah. we know, like, Bill and Frank and stuff, which is such a small part of the game. That, you know, there's probably going to be a whole episode about them oh, let alone when we get to david and and all these other things that are just oh i can't wait i really can't wait like i want to <laughs> save this so much and it's i'm gutted that there's only eight more episodes um no, i was so happy with the runtime though when i put it on and i'm like oh yeah feature length yeah don't get used to that because um, um it's apparently what i heard was that it was originally going to be this was basically the first two episodes and they right. glued them together because episode one was going to end. Sarah would die <laughs> 20 years later. A kid would then be, get killed and Joel would put the body in the fire. And that's how the episode end. Brilliant. And I was like, wow, like Neil, you are a madman and Craig it, thinking that that's how you could end episode one, because who's going to watch a new show <laughs> where you spend the entire time watching kids die. And that's how it ends. Like no one's coming back the next week. <laughs> I fucking love those two psychos. They're brilliant. Yeah. They're, they're their headspace is exactly where i want them to be for making the last of this tv show yeah but, I, um, but obviously it was an amazing call because yeah once you then get past that i'm like oh of course it's gonna absolutely end you need to get joel and ellie together because that's what's on all the posters and that is the driving force and then yeah the perfect way to end episode one is suddenly change everything you know about this world here is someone who has been bitten three weeks ago and is sh and is showing no signs of infection what the hell is that all about like that is such a great way to end the first episode i thought yeah definitely um, that i i I, I really do um yeah something that popped into my head and i can't quite remember the line now but did you get the factions line that was in there yeah yeah they said that yeah <laughs> what, what the hell was it it was something brilliant though like what do you want remember specifically. like factions <laughs> yeah oh yeah i think it was ellie wasn't it to joel yeah, yeah. 
because I, that just reminded me of another part I want to mention. Because again, there's so much new shit. The whole um, playing songs radio. on the radio yeah. is code, which is yeah. like I can't believe this is not in the video game because it's it's perfect. It feels like it's from The Last of Us, and also it perfectly sets up how music is going to be so integral in The Last of Us, which it is. And and the fact that we even saw the guitar in Joel's house, in, yeah. you know, in the early in 2003. Oh. It's like stuff like that, that now because they've added so much to the character, they can go back and make it even better. It's like, man. So much shit. But I think with the music as well, the fact that like, yeah, that finished, that, that's what ended the show, the, the episode as well. Mm-hmm. So we got the, the, the song playing on the title card. I thought was great. And it also, yep. I thought that was a really strong bit of Ellie dialogue that is, that is straight for the TV. Her her figuring that code out and like trolling jo- Joel like yeah. that is is such an Ellie thing to do. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it was really good. And I think like yeah, it shows you how smart she is. She's not just tough; she's actually smart as well. Like it's yeah. such a good way of setting up who Ellie is. Early exactly. On. So we got to see both those things. We got to see she's smart, and we got to see her like go after the Fedra guy and, and stab him when he was scanning her. You know, we got to see that she's not scared of getting violent as well. And and so, yeah, I think it did a really good job of establishing what Ellie, the, what we know in the video game. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm so pumped for episode two. Like yeah. the Marlene, obviously mentioning her knowing yeah, Ellie's yeah. mom, which and, is like, and obviously, yeah, the name drop of Riley. It's mm-hmm. like both those moments were just so perfect because, yeah, we know the Riley stuff is coming. Um, and I hope it's going to be, I think it will be in the chronological order that we expect in the game um, because that would just be such a good cliffhanger for people to want to see something like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then you have an entire episode dedicated to something completely different. It's going to be it's such, such a TV. It's such a TV. Show oh, yeah. It's crazy. That, that was in the video game. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, it works so, pretty yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, fact that we know we're going to get actual backstory, like we we only know in the first video game that Ellie, that Ellie's mum knew Marlene from a note that she left Ellie that you can find in her bag and read. That's the only reference to Ellie's uh, mum in in two games, and yeah. we know we're getting so much more than that because we've seen her in the trailer. So oh, I can't wait. Like I just, I, I, this is such a perfect dream come true for me because I think it's gonna. Everyone that's gonna watch this for the first time is gonna love it. But I think already it's made the games better, yeah. <laughs> and I hope that it will continue to do that. There was there was part of me when I was watching this thinking like, are are they explaining it enough for people that aren't like aware of The Last of Us? Mm-hmm. Because I'm so in it and and loving it so much where I'm like, I don't feel like it's going slow. I don't think they're holding your hand. They're they're jumping in and like. You know, I know Joel, Tess, and Ellie, and and, and and Marlene, and all of these people, like, from hours and hours of playing the video game. But, like, will will first-time watchers get it as well? But I, I think they will. But for me, yeah, as, as a fan of the games, it feels like a love letter to us as well, like, which is the most important thing, because you don't want to forget about your fan base. This show, oh, they- this show doesn't get made without us, you know, people that have been obsessed with this video game for a bloody decade. Yeah, so it's just about those people. They couldn't have done this any better. Like I say, no. the fact that it was Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin, kind of the, them, them, them as a combination to adapt the video game, couldn't be more better. Where you have the guy, one of the co-creators, and the guy who is now basically the head of The Last of Us and one of the heads of Naughty Dog in general. Plus a guy who who just, you know, obviously Chernobyl was an incredible success, critically and commercially. Um, and he's a huge fan of the video game. So, like, they are just, it's the perfect pair of hands, as well as HBO, as well as everything, as well as it being a TV show, not a movie. It just, it couldn't be any better. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Like, I keep hearing that it is the full game in this series, which... 
it definitely sounds more believable now when you think about how far we got in episode one and obviously their willingness to cut out action sequences um obviously we'll get action sequences and we'll get stuff with clickers but yeah like you said the fact that the stuff with robert is just we don't see any of that you know that's like this giant shootout at the docks in the video yeah. game whereas here it's like no it's people in a room that, that and, and the bat and the deal went wrong and some people died and some people got really hurt like that just feels more real in this world mm-hmm. um and i'm sure there'll be you know other adaptations like that later as we go but yeah I couldn't be more thrilled with this. I think already it's one of the best adaptations of anything I've ever seen, truly, because the changes are just so much for the good and and keeping the heart and soul of The Last of Us, but expanding upon it and, and, and ultimately making it better in a TV show. Like, you will lose a lot because I love playing The Last of Us. Mm. Um, but I think watching it in this format could be even better in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, this is good. Just this is so special, and I, I really hope it resonates. It seems to be doing awesome as well, like viewing figures wise, which doesn't surprise me because they've been, you know, um, promoting this one like crazy. Um, and I think they know they've got their next big hit. And I really wonder how this is going to shape up come end of the year because we're starting with something that is so exciting. Um, and if this continues on its pace, this could be the first TV show to just win every single award <laughs> going for us. It's wild as well, though that like. I, I do think that the, the 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 video game will be in season one. Like now, after after watching, I like think this, in the whole part one will be the, the, yeah, in all, all of yeah, yeah. And and if that's the case, because I I don't know the thing. I don't want to touch upon it too much, but I don't really know how you can have a finale. You can throw up a future spoiler warning if you'd like, because we're at the end of the combat. I'm not too worried about that, because I don't really want to go into it. There there are certain Mm. points in the game that you could certainly stop a season. Mm. But, you know, I I don't know whether... Well, I thought initially, months ago, I thought it would be the beginning of winter. I thought that's where the the season would have ended. But clearly, we're getting more than that. And and so I just think, like, um, you know, we will will get to a, a Game of Thrones point of 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 this tv show if it is popular where like i was thinking that yeah you know because de- definitely it would be a crazy struggle to fit season two game two but then you know at some point it's going to get beyond the games like it's i was already like, thinking about this over the weekend over. i was yeah. trying to figure out like timelines where i was like okay this comes out now yeah um because and, and that's the other thing as well like, this is the current neil Druckmann project so you really do have to kind of combine these in your head and be like mm. obviously with a tv show like it's done so he doesn't he just has to promote it now he doesn't have to do anything actively but like he's actively working on factions the multiplayer game yeah. so it could come out this year but it wouldn't surprise me if that gets pushed to 2024 this season took a year of filming like 12 months production like actual shooting scenes like that's unbelievable typically you know something's like you know two months maybe this was a year of filming 90 days yeah yeah you know obviously and that's not including pre-production or post-production that is purely just on-set filming took a year um so yeah maybe if you think season two could be end of 2024 maybe start of 2025 and then yeah i think you'd have to do part two in two seasons um but yeah at a certain point you start to say to yourself right when will because yeah we're clearly getting the last of us part three but but the answer is when um i don't expect it before 2026 at the earliest um yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be naughty dogs next full big game but it's just when they decide to do it 
Yeah, like after factions, and like you say, I mean, it was what a seven year gap between part one and part two. I, a six year gap wouldn't surprise me. Um, so that would be twenty twenty six. Yeah, and... they're not putting out an uncharted game between the two this time. So no, that is true, and hopefully there won't be another global pandemic either. But like, yeah, there you just don't know because the other thing is neil Druckmann does have the overall story outline for part three done supposedly so Mm -hmm. this isn't like uh oh we ask george what he thinks game of thrones is going to end and then we kind of adapt it in our own way it's like no the guy who is specifically writing part three is specifically writing this tv show it's the same person yeah like there's there's shit that he might have already put in the tv show that's going to come into light in part three like part of the relationships a character that was at Mm -hmm. the fedra base that we met you know yeah that kid who who got thrown in the fire we might see his parents in part three yeah or or the the dude that he beat up because did joel Joel kill that guy i mean or did he just beat him we we didn't see it it looked like he just beat the fuck out of him and obviously he could have killed him or he could have just beat him to a pulp we really don't know he he could turn up in part three of the video game Mm -hmm. slash you know season four of the fucking oh man oh we're getting too deep now but yeah i I, I love it i love it I I, i also would not put that past neil hmm because he, he's a madman. Like, no, I think that's so... absolutely true. And yeah, just my overall point of it's the same guy writing them both is mm. like, yeah, we I could see a world where pre-production on a potential, let's say, season four, which would cover part three, could come inside either alongside or before the video game coming out. Um, I don't think Neil would want to get to a point where obviously we're seeing stuff in the TV show before the video game, but they could certainly be v- uh, closer than you'd expect. Like part three could come out the same year as that being adapted into the tv show that could is the question that will we branch will we branch or will we keep on this the exact same oh, we have to keep the same we can't game of thrones it like i say it's the same guy it's literally yeah. like, i'd be so annoyed if neil was like oh no my version of the characters that i created are going on a different path in the tv show to the video game that would just be so ridiculous in my opinion yeah it would be a madness like ellie needs to end where she ends in you know part through of the video game because yeah all these characters well, everything i feel i feel so passionate about it and, and yeah I, I there's no way i'd want to see a different story than that you know no. very very rarely do i play one of these games or or like was it bandersnatch the like choose your own adventure yeah um, you know where, where i do where i do that multiple <laughs> times I'm one and done. I'm like that is my story. I don't want a different story, and like I know the Last of Us story, and I, and I don't want it different. Yeah, no, especially when they're this well crafted by such genius as yeah. a player. It's like no, there, there is. Yeah, there, there's. I just can't wait for so much stuff. Like I'm, I'm already thinking about part two and stuff, where it's like, oh, can you imagine seeing like the teaser trailer for for season two and it's part two stuff? Oh, it's gonna be wow. it's gonna be insane. Holy shit! And I yeah, I hope there are so many easter eggs in this season setting up part two because the potential is massive um and i am convinced we'll get multiple ones certainly by the finale um oh for sure but yeah, yeah. i think i think a certain doctor will be seeing quite a bit yes i, I just can't wait man oh what, what a world we live in that this is what we get because we you know mm. this is why i was so angry watching resident evil last year it is moments like this where i get to just feel my fandom pour out of every part of me and just get to be so excited for these things and 
yeah, I just hope everyone loves this as much as we do, because I, I just can't see how fans of the last decade of The Last of Us have been through a lot with those games. Um, and this is this is we we deserve this right now. So just enjoy it. And then hopefully for the many, many millions more of people who haven't played the video games that are HBO fans because they are the kings of TV. I just hope they have as good a time or if not better, because they, they don't know the story. Like, so it should be better for them. You're in for um, a treat. Yeah, like, I wonder how they were affected by the Sarah death, and I wonder genuinely how many people just turned it off at that moment. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, what a way to start a TV show. And, and then to compound it with another child being killed, it's like, Jesus no, that's Christ. Thing, like, that's in the game, like, but to add more, like... Yeah. Goddamn psycho. And the fact that they were good at end it, and that it was just going to be gone for a week. <laughs> like, thankfully, HBO executives do actually know what they're talking about because yeah this was genius the way they ended it i thought it was so I'm much a bit better guided. i wish i wish it had gone for that <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> i want this show to do well um <laughs> but yeah that was a great time and yeah we will we will continue this bad boy in the many many weeks who knows maybe next week we'll just talk about the last of us like i'm sure we'll figure out a film as well um yeah, you never know you never know you know, there are st- like I say, there is big stuff coming. Like we- we're not going to continue mm. to preview it every single week, but we got we're mere weeks away from a new M Night movie at the cinema, and you know stuff like maybe Infinity Pool, and just so many stuff. Obviously, Scream is like just around the corner, so there's plenty of stuff to talk about. It's uh, very very exciting times. Like it's just continued the momentum of last I'm year. I'm just seeing Knock at the Cabin everywhere. Yeah, like literally everywhere now. Like, yeah so. it's great to see like there was this time when m night's movies just didn't get promoted they yeah. were like this this sully on the industry and it's it's just flipped completely now it feels post six cents in the best way possible so i'll wait for that movie um but yeah that was episode 332 thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could, how?